We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, we're talking about the Bulls after a 104-98 loss to the Toronto Raptors. The Bulls had won two games in a row undefeated in their Patrick Beverly era coming into this game. But Jason, there's nothing that can kill good Bulls vibes quite like me and you recording a live episode of Cash Considerations after the game. They never win when we plan on recording a live episode after a game, and the Bulls tonight did not win. This is a pretty brutal loss for the Bulls for several reasons. For one, Jace, it was just a winnable game. The Bulls had every opportunity to claim victory tonight. Uh, They just got sort of run off the floor a little bit in the fourth quarter. So many offensive rebounds for Toronto. A lot of questionable coaching decisions from the Bulls. So just a very frustrating close to this game. The Bulls also blow the tiebreaker against Toronto in the possible play-in race. If you pull up the standings right now, uh, the Bulls are now a game and a half behind the Wizards for the 10 spot in the East. The Wizards, I believe, won tonight. I think that game's over. Yeah, the Wizards beat the 119-116. Uh, and then Toronto's in ninth in the playing race. So the Bulls are very obviously prioritizing making the play-in for the rest of this season. That is their goal. That is their only goal, to make the playoffs this year. Uh, and losing this game makes that a lot harder because Toronto now owns the tiebreaker over them. In in general, Jace, uh, this game was just killing me for several reasons. For one, there was a moment late in the fourth quarter it was uh, not too late it was like five minutes left when Fred Van Vliet pretty clearly bounced the ball out of bounds Patrick Beverly was begging Billy Donovan to challenge it after the refs ruled it to be Toronto ball Donovan decided not to challenge it and coming out of the ATO Toronto loads up I believe a three from Scotty Barnes 
uh, which put them up about eight at the time. The Bulls did come back and hit a three on the next possession, but Beverly was begging Donovan to challenge that call. Donovan decided not to do it. He wanted to save the challenge for late in the game. Well, guess what, Jason? Donovan never used the challenge. So he essentially just, you know, it's similar to a coach, like, following out their own player, like putting them on the bench, doesn't get to use off all their fouls. That's sort of what Donovan has been doing with these challenges. He will never use a challenge unless it's basically the last 90 seconds of the game. Uh, so the decision to sit on that challenge was a real turning point in this game. And then, you know, the thing that just jumped off the screen watching this tilt was the offensive rebounding edge for Toronto, especially late in the fourth quarter. The Bulls were essentially playing four guard lineups uh, around Nikola Vucevic and Toronto just hammered them on the offensive glass, out rebounding the Bulls 19 to six on the offensive end. Uh, Toronto was doing a good job sort of forcing Vooch to switch and guard out on the perimeter in that left, you know, Patrick Beverly and Alex Caruso to be your rebounders inside. Uh, I thought Patrick Williams played a very good game, looked super solid on both ends of the floor, did suffer an ankle injury in the first half, but came back later in the game, hit a three on the next possession, uh, got run off the line and hit a pull up two. I would have loved to see Patrick Williams in the game down the stretch. Uh, yes, it's been an up and down season for Patrick Williams, but you know, you just need more size against a team like Toronto that you know what they do. They play very aggressive. They crash the glass uh, and they just want to muck up the game in general. This is the exact type of matchup Patrick Williams is built to thrive in. And instead the bulls basically played into Toronto's hands with this ultra small four guard lineup. Uh, I thought that was, you know, a very poor coaching choice by Billy Donovan and I think that you can put this loss on Don's head. So Bulls lose 104-98, a uh, frustrating game in many different ways. Jace, you watched it. You were tweeting all night. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely a game that they really should have won probably. I mean, they shot, what was it? They shot 52%, 52% from the field. They were a ton of 25 from three. Four, obviously, still not enough three-point attempts, but what's new there? 14 of 17 from the free throw line. That's great. But when you give up whatever, 23 more shot attempts uh, in a game, it's just, it's just going to hard to make up that difference. Um, and like you mentioned, the offensive rebounds, I mean, that's 19 offensive rebounds. Siakam, Ananobi, and Barnes all had three apiece. We had Pre- uh, Precious Achua also at three. As you mentioned, Vooch was kind of dragged out because he only had four offensive rebounds. Patrick Beverly had seven, uh, four defensive rebounds. Patrick Beverly led starters with seven rebounds. Demar had zero, which is not good. That's kind of unacceptable. Zach only had two. Caruso had four. Uh, so, yeah, just a game where the Bulls, they got down early. They were struggling a bit early with the Raptors' pressure. The Raptors are such an annoying team to play. We always talk about how much we hate playing against the Raptors with their Length and athleticism, forcing turnovers, and the Bulls had a shit ton of turnovers, um, and we kind of saw some of those issues. But they did kind of settle down at times. I mean, they shot really well from the field again, but uh, and they had the game kind of right there. But the Raptors went on a big surge in the fourth, went up nine. The Bulls made one last push, and then kind of at the end there, there were chances. The Raptors, with their just awful offense down the stretch, uh, we saw like pass Siakam and uh, other dudes just like trading bricks uh, off the dribble but then they would just get rebounds there was one possession I think in the in the final two minutes where the Raptors I think got three looks at it and they missed every single one just like not even close 
Um, but that still took a lot of precious time off the, off the clock. And they were just never able to get off the hump. And just again, every time it seems like the Bulls, maybe they have something because whatever, coming out of the break, going back to our last podcast, we talked about, uh, we, we joked about whatever, like the dead cat bounce, whatever you want to call it. The, the, and, any, and maybe them making like a little surge here with Beverly, uh, with the energy and like they blew up, whatever. They beat the Nets by 40 some fucking points and then they pulled away from the Wizards. And whatever you think about those teams, like those are pretty mid teams at this point as well. But uh, I mean, the Bulls played two solid games. Uh, those teams kind of stunk it up, but you went, you come out with two blowouts and you have a big opportunity here, given those playing standings uh, with where the Bulls are at to try to get back into things. You lose this game, you lose the tiebreak. You're now, um, what are they now? Three, a couple of two or three games behind the Raptors. They're a game and a half behind the Wizards and you lose that tiebreaker. Uh, catching the Raptors now could be pretty tough. Yeah, they're what, two and a half behind the Raptors, one and a half behind the Wizards. Um, so that's tough. So just a, a winnable game, like whatever, wherever you are, I guess, with the Bulls, like wherever you want them to go for the plan. If you don't care if they miss the plan and whatever, get a better chance of keeping that pick. Like the Bulls are clearly trying to win games, clearly going for the plan, uh, play, starting veterans, making the move to put Beverly right in the starting lineup, benching Io and Pat and having Caruso in there as well. We saw, saw it with the closing lineup, but uh, and it does seem like that's going to be the lineup that Billy trusts. But I mean, with how Pat played today, and with the size and him kind of matching up with some of those wings, it definitely would have been nice to see him getting a closing opportunity. I guess you worry now a little bit with like, is Billy just going to rely way too much on Patrick Beverly? And like, and while he's done some nice things and he's played some solid defense, like he's still just Patrick Beverly. He's still a very limited offensive player. Did hit one big three tonight, but uh, like, I would love, you still have to, I feel like balance some, some things here without going to full veterans and giving Pat some of these opportunities, especially in certain matchups. Um, so like if they're going to do this thing where they're just like totally relying on the veterans all the time down the stretch, uh, like no matter what the issues there with the matchup stuff today and the offensive rebounding, um, it's just kind of a, kind of a bummer and a tough loss. They have a game tomorrow against Detroit. Now they would have had a great opportunity to win four straight for the first time all year. Every time they've, it seems like, Oh, like the bulls have a good chance to win four straight. They blow it and they blew it a game early tonight. Um, they have to bounce back from this one and play against a horrible Detroit team, but it's a back-to-back on the road. Nothing is guaranteed there. So uh, it was then they play Phoenix on Friday. KD should play in that game. So just a, a very big missed opportunity for the Bulls in their chase for the play-in race. And uh, the, just the way the, the game played out uh, with all the offensive rebounds, with just uh, with all the turnovers and just kind of watching uh, kind of the game kind of slip away for them was tough. The show he also runs the Dennis Podman podcast. Kevin, Billy Donovan, your thoughts? Uh, I've taken to calling him Bottom Five Billy because he's Bottom Five coach in the league. Um, that's not necessarily like a huge indictment because I think coaching in the NBA has gotten the level has just continued to go up and up and up. There are there just aren't that many like truly terrible coaches anymore. Uh, but he just leaves so much on the table, I feel like, every night. Um, and I think it's funny to call him bottom five, Billy. Um, I'm sure it'll make some people mad, but I don't care. Um, he just – he he blew it. He blew tonight's game. Like, they were in it despite getting crushed on the glass uh, for most of the game, despite getting crushed in the turnover battle. Like, as an aside, the Raptors are a truly uh, disgusting team – that plays with no, with no skill and no honor. 
and I truly hate watching <laughs> any game that they play in. Uh, their entire like theory of the of their team is premised on trying to win the possession battle, like they're a goddamn football team. I hate it. I hate watching them. I hate that team. They're gross, and um, I I think just as a matter of principle, they shouldn't uh, be allowed to make the playoffs because uh, they will actively harm the NBA's bottom line uh, because their games are so <laughs> disgusting to watch. Um, setting that aside, they they were killing the Bulls in the glass all night, and uh, Billy closes with a four-guard lineup, which is now the starting lineup. Um, and I, I just want to tell you, how many rebounds Andre Drummond had tonight? Andre Drummond had 10 rebounds in 16 minutes. And the Bulls got absolutely crushed on the glass. I thought I was like talking to Ricky and our friend John on a group, a group text and was like, Oh, pretty big Vooch game. But like, it was low key, actually kind of a bad Vooch game because like, yeah, he scored, he had 23 points, but he had six fucking turnovers and five rebounds in 31 minutes. That's just not good enough. Like, especially if you're going to be the only big in the lineup, like that's pretty pathetic, honestly. And the, to not close with Patrick uh, when he's the only guy that like kind of matches up with the size and athleticism of the, the Raptors like rock ball that they play. Um, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I just think like, honestly, DeMar fucking sucked tonight and that should have played over him to close the game, especially when, you know, DeMar was getting cooked on defense. He didn't get a sing- single goddamn rebound. He was, 13 points on uh 11 shots and five free throw attempts like that's that's dog shit you only had two assists and three turnovers and five fouls like absolutely fucking horrible demar game he deserved to get sent to the bench for pat because pat actually plays defense and pat wasn't rebounding either he had one rebound on the game but like he at least is gonna like put a body on somebody and like maybe free up pat bev to like grab one of the seven rebounds he had like it's just is atrocious all the way around. Drummond should have played more um, throughout the game. Like again, Vooch was scoring, but I don't know. Like you, you, you can't be the big man, the only big man on the floor, and get five rebounds against a team that's killing you on the glass. It's just not good enough. And um, yeah, that's basically why they lost was because uh, Demar was ass, uh, and Vooch turned the ball over six times and didn't rebound. And they played way too many guards. And uh, what what Ricky said about, you know, not challenging that call, it was a horrible call. Pat Bev was, like, very insistent that he did not touch the ball. Um, and Billy, it was like there was less than five minutes left in the game. He's so precious about using his fucking challenges. And most games he ends up with them still in his pocket because he's so afraid to use them. It's like they, at a certain point it's use or lose it, man. Like – Jesus Christ. And then they give up the three pointer and that's it. Like that put them down from being like within a two possession game to then it's three possessions. And, you know, they couldn't get over the hump to get back to tide or take a lead the whole rest of the game because of that. It was just garbage. He's a, he's not a good coach. I mean, people get mad at me when I say that, but he's not, he's, he's just not their offense for the, for the, you know, the level of like uh, talent they have, just not very good, not very creative, pretty listless. The only thing I can give them credit for is that they they play defense better than you would kind of expect. 
uh, given who their their three stars are. But like, I don't know. Vooch isn't that bad on defense. He's like a do your job guy. And then Caruso is like the best guard defender in basketball. And now they have Beverly uh, and, you know, Iowa and Pat are pretty good on defense. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how much credit to give him for that. Like they sure there's some scheme stuff, but like the offense just can't be that bad. It's just, it's just shouldn't be that bad. It's not that untalented of a team. Anyway, that's my Billy rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I will add, like the defense. The defense has been like shockingly good. I think they're the set like that's been going around has been like their number one in the NBA since like 2023. And like again, like today, like whatever the Raptors shot 40 percent overall. They were 15 to 42 from three. Uh, obviously, some rebounds just totally kind of flipped the game uh, to give the Raptors 94 shots. But uh, and like the, I mean, the last couple games I think were like the lowest like points the Bulls have given up all season uh, and it was just like perfect that that matched up with whatever with Beverly coming and like I think he has been whatever he's been solid defensively he's doing Pat Beverly things like I also do think some of it's just like those teams were awful in those games uh, I've been riding the, like I've been riding the way that it's like don't think this defense is that good but like it's been a long sample size now like the defense being one of the best in the NBA and it's just like it's baffling uh, I know our guy Will Gottlieb did a good article at CHGO the other day kind of explaining like their defensive philosophy and like they give up a shit ton of three pointers they don't ever go in the Raptors made finally made something like the fourth quarter tonight that helped them win but still only 15 to 42 which is around league average and like we know they've been like the best three-point defense team like how, how are you guys buying into like the Bulls being like this whatever like an elite defensive team and that's what's like been winning them games and keeping them in games and the offense just hasn't been good enough as you mentioned like the offense is what sucks but the defense is keeping them in games. Like, like how much of an, a believer are you guys in that? And if, like, whatever whatever impact Beverly has made so far, like, how much? What do you? How much stock do you put into that? Under twenty twenty three, Jason from three point range. It's like thirty two percent, maybe thirty one or thirty two. I think pretty brutal. And when you think about luck in basketball, I think about health. I think about sort of like matchups and I think about shooting variants and all three of those things aren't like strictly luck. Like, you know, getting players who can keep themselves available. is like a skill in a sense and uh, building a team that can play multiple different styles and win different types of game is something you have to do as, as an executive. Uh, and, you know, Sometimes you just have bad shooters and they miss shots, or sometimes your defense uh, is pretty good about closing out on shooters, which maybe the Bulls have been this year. But in general, it just feels like the Bulls are way overperforming defensively. I believe I checked before this game and they were sixth in the entire league in defensive rating. If you were to tell us that the Bulls were going to be sixth in defensive rating at the start of this year and Lonzo Ball did a minute the entire season, you would be thinking, you know, the Bulls are probably going to be the four seed or the five seed in the East. Uh, but that hasn't happened because sort of the story of this iteration of the Bulls is Vucevic, Levine, and DeRozan just do not play well together in terms of the offense. Uh, that trio has been outscored both seasons. They've been around. Uh, and, you know, you think of them as three limited defensive players in sort of offense first stars. 
And for whatever reason, it just hasn't clicked. It's because they don't have enough shooting around them. It's because they have never, you know, since Alonzo went down, they haven't had someone to sort of set them up for easy looks and unlock their transition game. There's plenty of reasons for it. But at the end of the day, the trio of Vooch, DeRozan, and Levine just hasn't been good enough, right? So as the Bulls go after this final playing spot, I'm not someone who's ever going to root against the Bulls because I'm a lifelong Bulls fan. If the Bulls can get into the play-in, that would be exciting to watch, right? If they can, uh, you know, make it into the playoffs, we could have our own moment of Patrick Beverly dancing on top of the scores table, celebrating like MJ <laughs> winning a championship. And it could potentially be thrilling to watch the Bulls uh, in a first-round series against the Celtics when they'd really have nothing to lose and could, you know, maybe give Boston a run for their money. But my worry in that scenario is that the Bulls would deem the season a success and therefore fail to realize at the executive level that the DeRozan-Levine-Vucevic trio simply does not work together. And that's the big takeaway from this entire season. Those three guys are not good enough to be the foundation of a team that does not include Lonzo Ball. Lonzo is able to paper over a lot of the shortcomings for that group. Uh, but, you know, Lonzo's not playing this year, and he will likely never be the same again, given how much time he's missed, if he ever even steps onto the court again. So uh, the Bulls want to make the playoffs. It would be fun to watch the Bulls in the playoffs. I'm still a fan of the team, and I, you know, would like to see them, uh, you know, fucking force a game seven against Boston and make those weirdos sweat uh, during their champion, which should be their championship season. Um, but, man, this team just isn't good enough for the Bulls. And the reason they've been staying afloat is because of the defense, like you guys said. And I just don't think the defense is real. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah. Kevin, your yeah. thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just going to say in terms of how much of it is luck, uh, just a couple of numbers. So I, I looked at, I, I brought up cleaning the glass uh, and then filtered on from January 1st forward. Because uh, that's you know when they've been the number one defense in the league, so they have a thing on there where they they give you like what the um, expected uh, ex- expected uh, what the expected um, effective field goal percentage is based on the the location of the shots you give up is versus what your actual effective field goal percentage against is, um, which is a decent proxy for for luck. So the Bulls have given up shots that would, um, on league average, result in the uh, fourth worst, um, 27th ranked uh, in the league for the kind of shots that they give up. But they've been second in effective field goal percentage against. And effective field goal percentage is about 50% of defense. It's most of it. Um, and and then when you look at like the other four factors, so the things that like make up you know offensive and defensive efficiency are effective field goal percentage. So how well do you shoot, and adjusted for like where you shoot from, your um, like turnover rate, offensive rebound rate, and then you know free throw rate. Um, the Bulls are mediocre at forcing other teams to to um, turn the ball over. They're sixteenth, uh, so basically league average. Uh, since January 1st at that. They're also very good at preventing. You wouldn't have known it tonight, <laughs> but they're also top four in uh, preventing other teams from getting offensive rebounds. Um, <laughs> and they also don't really foul very much. So I guess it's somewhat real, but like the fact that 50% of it is based on teams just shooting completely outlier horrible um, and the, the shots that they've surrendered really suggest that they are not defending that well. Um, I would say, I think they're probably a mid to bad defense masquerading as a very good one right now. And like, there's probably some stuff like they get a lot of deflections, which does put teams um, later in the shot clock, which like a location based only um, shot distribution expected effective field goal percentage is not going to, uh, to consider. Right. Uh, So like some of that is, some of that stuff is real but not nearly enough to make up for the huge swing. So like the gap between, between their, what, what they should be giving up, you know, roughly uh, and what they are giving up is like uh, 3.7 percentage points of effective field goal percentage, which like over like hundred shot attempts that translates to like uh, almost four points per 100 shot attempts, which is, you know, pretty huge when you're talking about the margins of winning or losing in the NBA and like the, what, what the difference between a a really good defense and a really, you know, kind of crappy one is. Um, So I'm going to say mostly um, it it doesn't seem real when I watch it. Uh, I always feel like teams get good shots against the bulls. um, And, you know, I never feel good about their defensive rotations. The thing that they do really well is deflect the ball um, they get their hands in passing lanes, um, which is weird because it doesn't result in a lot of turnovers. Um, like, like I said, they're kind of mediocre at that, but they they do like deflect the ball uh, a lot. 
and um, apparently don't foul uh, or um, or uh, give up too many offensive rebounds. Again, tonight being a very frustrating exception. Uh, but that's what happens when you play four guard lineups. I think that's the other thing. It's like they they haven't done they've they've put a lot of three guard lineups, but I don't think they've really done the four guard lineup thing as much. Um, but Billy really does love guard heavy line, lineups. So the fact that they are they have been pretty good about not giving up um, defensive or offensive rebounds has been pretty shocking. Which is another thing that kind of makes me think it's a little bit fake. I don't know how they're smoke and mirrorsing their way into um, to being good at. Uh, the defensive glass uh, most nights. Um, but I think you can run up against a team that actually just has, you know, athletes and talent at offensive rebounding. And you kind of see that it, it kind of falls apart like a house of cards a little bit. Yeah. And it, it just does feel like that. Like, and just like watching like today's game, like defensively, I think they were, they were like, all right. I do think like with Beverly there, there is like, he is a good communicator. He's obviously whatever he tries very hard, like closing out, uh, I feel like they have been decent about closeouts and like some of the, sh- uh, at least today and like looking at like the last couple games where like both like the nets were like just comically inept for most of that game until like they had some garbage time threes. But like there was that video going around where like that someone made where it was like a bunch of the nets, good shooters, just like bricking like good, th- good looks at three. Um, I would say like the bulls were like doing a decent job closing out, but still like, when you have like that many good looks at three from like pretty good shooters, like even with good closeouts, usually like a few of them go in uh, and just like, so it does feel like the bull, I would say the bulls are at least a decent defense. I don't think you can be like that, whatever the stats are that highly ranked when it comes down to the bottom line of defense efficiency and be bad. It just does feel like they're getting a lot of, I think they're, I think they're mediocre. Like I think they're, they're structurally, like the bones of their defense, how they actually like perform and how they actually like the the process of their defense. I think they're mediocre. I think they're like pretty middling. And that when you combine that with the fact that they're ass on offense, it's just, they're not a good team. And we've been saying, I think Ricky, especially on this podcast um, and whenever I come on and, you know, it's like, I've been, I, I have enough fire in my belly to come and rant on here with you guys, but like I haven't been able to like get up for <laughs> doing very many episodes of Dennis Potman, uh, which huh. is going to tra- transition into being an NBA podcast so that I can talk about teams that don't make me um, want to punch a wall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and also, I just want to provide more space for Brian to do his more of his uh, draft sicko stuff. <laughs> so, uh, but in any yeah. case, I, I just, I don't think they're a very good team. I don't think their stars as talented as they are fit. And I don't think their stars are frankly as talented as other teams stars. Like they have um, by, you know, most impact metrics. If you look at, you know, teams that have playoff aspirations, uh, most impact metrics consider the bulls to have like some of the worst uh, best players on their team. Like, for guys that are the best guy on their team, um, they have some of the worst ones. And uh, when you have that and you don't have a very good you know, role players around them, that means you don't have a good team. And I, I just think that that's kind of where they're at. I mean, I think they have some guys that are good role players. Like, I think Caruso is an excellent role player. Um, I think Pat is basically a role player at this point. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty solid. I mean, he's very inconsistent and frustrating, especially given – draft slot, like possibility, you know, the, the 
the potential there. Um, and Io again is also another guy that I think is just like, you know, he'll be, a, he'll be an NBA role player for a long time. I don't think he's really anything other than that. Uh, Kobe, same thing. Like he's fine. Um, yeah. Javante when he's healthy again, also fine. But like when you just add it up, they don't have like a great bench. Um, and they don't have good enough high level talent. Uh, and they're not that well coached. So I just, they're just not very good. <laughs> 20 and 34 makes sense. Yeah. Like, uh, they're a bad road team. They're 10 and 21 now on the road. They've been pretty good at home overall. They have got some really bad home losses, but like they are pretty good at home. Most teams are pretty good at home. Uh, but you're 10 and 21 on yeah, the I road. Mean, they just are good, no, they collapse home is like a on offense thing, though, on the road. Right? Like, expectations, you should be good at home. Like you should be above 500 at home yeah. for yeah. most teams. And they're like sure. not that high above 500 at home. And they are a horrible road team, which is another thing that I kind of blame on coaching. Like I think if you're, yeah. if your shit doesn't travel like very well at all, I, you know, I put that on the coaching staff. Um, I mean, again, some of it is just like roster construction. Like I was saying, it's just not a very talented team. Um, and the, the the three most important pieces don't really fit together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. To the bottom, hard hard to like think that they're gonna gonna do very much. Uh, the the Pat Bev dead cat bounce was fun for two games, but um, and he was actually the best player on the floor tonight. Honestly, like seven rebounds uh, when the the whole reason that they were that the Raptors were even able to hang into it was because, you know, they were just crushing the bulls on the glass. I think he had the best plus minus on the bulls for the night. It was like only like a plus two. Uh, I don't think he really turned the ball over. Don't think he like took a bunch of bad shots. Like he was probably their best player in terms of like what your role expectations are for them and how he performed in that role. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It, it's a, just same old bulls. I got a couple things real quick. <laughs> One, on a team full of slow-ass shooters on spot-ups, Patrick Beverly has the slowest catch-and-shoot <laughs> release I think I've ever seen from an NBA guard. It's like he puts his entire body into the jump shot, like he's 11 years old or something, trying to get up a three-pointer in a fifth-grade game. It's insane how his, how his energy transfer works to go from catching the basketball to shooting the basketball. And there was a moment late in the first half of the game where Beverly caught the ball, the closeout starts to come, but it was a wide open shot in the corner. Should be a great look. This is what you want. Beverly turns it down and dribbles into a shot clock violation. And all I could think was, Patrick Beverly, you are now officially a Chicago Bull. You're turning down a wide open three, <laughs> dribbling into a shot clock violation. <laughs> Uh, so that's sort of my, you know, immediate Beverly take. I do think that he's been pretty good as a connector. Uh, he's not someone who, as a guard, is going to be like a brilliant floor general, but he can keep the ball moving. That's something this offense desperately needs without Lonzo in the lineup. So I do think he's added some value there. Uh, in general, I agree with a lot of Kevin's points, and I keep coming back to the fact that the Bulls are going to deeply regret not trading DeMar at the deadline. Like, I love DeMar. I think it was a good signing. He seems like an awesome guy. I've enjoyed watching him and rooting for him. Uh, but this was when his value was at its highest. The team trading for him would have got two playoff runs with DeMar. He would have been on a very team-friendly contract, uh, you know, through next season. And the Bulls 
stupidly decided to prioritize trying to go on a doomed run for the number eight seed in the East versus trying to set the team up best long term. And if they do try to trade DeMar over the offseason, which, to be clear, I don't think they're going to try to do, I think it's probably more likely they sign DeMar to a contract extension, uh, which, you know, would be a very risky move given his age uh, and given the way his play has dipped a bit in his second season in Chicago this year. Uh, but, you know, if they do try to trade him this offseason, like, you got to think the trade package coming back to the Bulls won't be as good. So, I think uh, the Bulls are pretty delusional, but really their delusion is tied to how small-minded their goals are. The Bulls are a team that really just wants to accomplish the smallest, most pathetic achievements in the NBA, and it sort of uh, affects how they view every team-building decision. So, man, love DeMar, but wish they could have wish they could have gotten rid of him. DeMar, DeMar's box tonight is really brutal. Uh, it was like 12 point, 15, 13 points, 5'11 shooting, missed two free throws, no rebounds, two assists, three turnovers, five fouls, minus 15. Just a OG, OG had him in hell. Uh, I think, I think it was OG guarding him most of the night. Um, just was not getting free at all. And that's just a brutal night, minus 15 when this was a game yeah. that was close almost the entire way through and just a, uh, Total like non no show, which is surprising. Demar going against uh, Demar has a real tendency though to, to have these diaper disasters against the, the Raptors. I, it, this is not the first time he he really struggles with uh, teams full of athletes like that because he uh, yeah. relies so much on craft and he doesn't really have vertical pop anymore unless he has like a huge runway. Uh, and and they double team them. They just shamelessly double team because they have the athletes in the length to yeah. scramble and recover. Yeah, well, well that's the thing guys. is that like Demar, like he's become a much better playmaker, but he's not a natural playmaker, and he his processing speed uh, for that kind of stuff is just still. I don't think it's ever. I mean, he's in his thirties now, so it's just never going to be what you need it to be against a team with that kind of length and quickness. Uh, and yeah, they can just shamelessly double team him, especially because uh, the Bulls, you know, have enough non-shooters or, you know, uh, non-offensive threats that they put out um, that they, they have options in terms of where they can uh, send those doubles from. And then DeMar has to figure out where it's coming from because it's not always from the same place. And so, yeah, he just he has these diaper disasters against the against the Raptors. Um, I still think that even with all that, like it's still inexcusable to have zero rebounds. Like that's just pathetic effort um, to me. And uh, Demar also walked off the floor uh, before the game was over and didn't shake hands with anybody. Uh, like there was like less than a second left in the game, but like the ball went out of bounds and he just literally walked off near the Raptors bench. I don't know if anybody else saw that, but I was like, I had my eye on that just because I was like, oh, it seems like things aren't maybe going so great. Maybe he was just mad because he had a bad game, but um, I don't know. That that made me wonder what's going on behind the scenes with, with DeMar, uh, if he's frustrated with his role. Um, maybe he's just pissed off because they keep losing and they're probably going to miss the play-in. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, playing like shit in Toronto, probably not feeling great about that. Who knows? Tomorrow's been pretty professional this whole time, but you never know. I mean, they're and he's got to be frustrated. They are twenty eight and thirty four. They've been they've been mid to bad 
uh, for much year. It's been a frustrating season, so I would not be surprised uh, that there's a lot of frustration there, especially a game like tonight that should have won probably in Toronto against his former team. So I don't know. Well, Jace, let's look ahead and let's wrap this up. So the rest of the week, next game, Bulls play tomorrow on a back-to-back at Detroit. That's a game, obviously, that they should win. Then Friday, like Jason mentioned, home against the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant expected to be in the lineup. That should be really fun to watch KD in the new-look Suns. Then on Sunday, the Bulls are home against the Pacers. That's another must-win. Then on the road against Denver on Wednesday. So they have a little bit of a break here. Uh, you know, they play tomorrow, then you play Friday and Sunday, and then a few days off. Uh, you know, looking ahead at the schedule, the Bulls got to try to win six out of every ten if they're going to try to make up ground and get into this playing race and be the tenth seed in the Eastern Conference. What a fucking pathetic goal. That's about all I got, Jace. So. Yeah, it just feels like I tweeted this during the game, and it feels like the Bulls and Raptors almost feel destined to uh, play at just a miserable play-in, like 9-10 play-in game. Uh, we'll see if the Bulls even get there. I mean, they're a game and a half out behind the Wizards right now and whatever, a couple and a half games behind the Raptors. So it could be tough. To, the Raptors are playing better after making the Pirtle trade. I know they've been beating up on bad teams. And I think their schedule – they play the Wizards like two or three more times a season, so that, that could be big. The Raptors are 8-2 and two in their last 10. Yeah. So they might be really – I mean, they've got the the – the tie break over the Bulls now, uh, but they might really be putting some some ground between uh, them and the Bulls pretty soon because uh, the Bulls are unserious and don't win games. And Toronto bought at the deadline. Like, they got an above-average starting center in Pirtle. Yeah, Pirtle's been really yep. good for them. Yeah. He was good tonight. I was surprised. They, they didn't play him in the fourth probably because of – I mean, they just wanted to go to their small wings lineup, uh, which – I mean, it almost cost them late, but uh, Pirtle was plus 13. He was 14 points. He had a nice stretch in the third. He didn't do much rebounding, but I mean, he's a good player. Uh, he's been good for them. I mean, just getting a center, an actual center in there, I think has probably helped them a lot. Uh, I feel like their offense still just doesn't have the juice uh, to actually be an actual good team, and we kind of saw that today. Just like they get they bogged down a lot, but Pirtle definitely helps them. You'd, you'd play so much without an actual center, and they actually they actually got a pretty good one, and now that's kind of helped stabilize them somewhat. So we'll see. They're just a very annoying team. <laughs> that's all I got too. You probably wrap. It up. Um, I just I just want to say, don't uh, listeners, if uh, you don't like this, don't get mad at uh, Ricky or Jason. But this is from me. Uh, let's go, Brandon. Brandon Johnson uh, made it to the runoff tonight, and uh, fuck Paul Vallis. <laughs> and uh yeah that's all i gotta say about that uh, uh vote for brandon in the uh in the actual election if you don't like if you want to vote for paul vallis just move out of chicago because paul vallis doesn't live in chicago he lives in Bennett park which is by where i grew up uh yep not a chicagoan i not would, a chicagoan i would love to see brandon win. Him. that is really exciting and it feels odd for something and someone i support to actually win because I'm a Bulls fan and they don't do a lot of winning. So earnestly, let's go, Brandon. Would love to see him be the next mayor of Chicago. If Vallis <laughs> is turning out people to vote in his precincts, I don't know if you guys saw the voter turnout map for the mayoral race tonight, but uh, Vallis's districts had the highest turnout. So uh, Brandon should win this election if Chicagoans get out and vote. And, uh, Paul Vallis would be a disaster. Brandon Johnson would be awesome. So, earnestly, let's yeah, go, Brandon. Oh. <laughs> That's right. 
And there you have it. I did not vote in the Chicago election anymore because I do not live in Chicago anymore. And obviously, Ricky, you don't either. But, uh, but yeah, I will just uh, second, uh, if, if, you, uh, if you don't live in Chicago, but you want to yeah. uh, make sure that uh, Chicago is not a, a hellscape, uh, you can still make phone calls uh, and you can come <laughs> into the city and knock on doors. Um, and you, you should because Chicago is <laughs> a great city. And if it uh, Paul Vallis is the mayor, it, it will be significantly less great. And there you have it. Um, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, Ishabul's podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, Ricky did the rundown. Bulls play again tomorrow. And then Friday, Alex should be going to the game on Friday. Uh, against, it'll, be, it'll be fun to see Katie and the Suns. Um, probably, that'll probably be the game the Bulls actually get up for and the Suns shoot 10 of 45 from three-point range or like something like that. But hopefully it's at least a good game. I don't want to see the Bulls get their ass beat. I've seen some pretty ugly Bulls games when I've gone the last couple times out. It would be nice to at least have a game that's competitive to watch. So uh, that'll do it for us here. We will talk to you guys next time. Thanks, as always, for listening.